This is The Local Maximum, Episode 3. Russians and Eastern Europeans leave more negative feedback. On the flip side, Americans, and especially the Japanese, leave positive ratings. That was enough to see a visible difference. An entire country would have venue ratings that were shifted down by about half a point. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. We seem, we seem to be getting into a rhythm here. It feels great. Thanks for being a part of my initial audience. You're really the test bed. People who find the topics that I am talking about as fascinating as I do. Machine learning, AI, technology, and its continuing impact on society. Bayesian inference. We're still at the point where I know many of you personally. Thanks for helping me out in getting this started and thanks for helping me grow this audience. We actually, we grew really nicely last week. I think when Miriam came on to talk about translating apps and making products work across cultures, it was something that people either related to or were really curious about. So if you have an idea for a show topic, either related to the last show or not, let me know at localmaxradio at gmail.com. I'll see if I can make that happen. I'll either find a guest to talk about it or I'll talk about it myself. I haven't done an episode alone yet. Fortunately, I'm not going to start today. I'll get there. I'm sure I'll have to do some alone. It's uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not dreading it, but uh, I know it's going to be I know it's going to be very different. Uh, so today we have another product building episode. We're going to talk about the rating system in the Foursquare City Guide. If you've ever used the Foursquare City Guide and you can download that on iPhone or Android, you'll notice that when you search for a place, every place, that's every restaurant, every bar, every park, every museum, every, I don't know, what else, cafe, uh, every place gets a rating on a scale from 1 to 10. These ratings are very important. They actually make the Foursquare product work. If you're trying to search for a place, then you're going to find the right one. If you're a local business, then your business is going to be impacted if your rating is high or low. So you want to understand how this system works. Now, a small group of people got together and figured out how to calculate these ratings. You're listening to one of them right now. I spent a few years of my life on this. I actually had the goal when I joined Foursquare of building the best local recommendation system out there. In a minute, I'm going to talk to Stephanie Yang, who collaborated with me on the final version of the Foursquare rating system to make that dream a reality. Now, I, uh, I wasn't going cold on that. I had a little bit of experience. But uh, in my previous two attempts to build the best local recommendation system, the stars didn't align, so to speak. In my undergrad project, StickyMap.com, I started to do something like this, but it was unclear to me how to turn that into a business. Uh, when I worked for Yodel, that was a search engine marketing company. It was bought, I think, a couple years ago by Web.com. In 2009, I was building a local search engine for them. It was called Yodel Local. But the primary goal of Yodel Local was to drive leads to Yodel's clients, so uh, not to be the best one in existence. So when it came down to it, it never became the best. And I think it was shut down a few years ago. 
when I saw what Dennis Crowley and his initial team were doing at Foursquare, that was where I found the opportunity to build this. So I guess uh, the lesson there is that if you want to build something, you don't just have to have the technical plans laid out, but you also have to have the organizational will as well. And I guess the personal will, I guess you just have to keep trying until it, until it works. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, to keep in mind while listening to this conversation is that this is not just a Foursquare story. Ratings and recommendation systems are common all over the internet. They affect the decisions that you make. They affect whether businesses prosper or suffer. And sometimes they can drive markets and mass consumer behavior. So that's why when we built this Foursquare system, we took it very seriously. Uh, we took it seriously for our consumers, people who wanted to find the best place. We took it seriously for the business owners. Uh, we do have some fun anecdotes. You'll hear them in a bit. That's what we'll talk about. But we took very seriously the impact that this had on a great number of people. Now, as you're listening, you might be thinking about how Facebook and Twitter are ranking their news or their pages very impactful. Maybe they're screwing it up. Now think about how Netflix and YouTube drive what videos you see. And think about how Amazon drives all your purchases. All of these things are crucial pieces in the digital economy. In a majority of cases, these systems have improved our lives to an extent that we don't even know. It's invisible. And because it's so easy to screw up, I think you'll find many flawed rating systems out there as well. So I'm going to start today with my personal experience because that gives me the unique perspective here to expound on these issues. But in the future, we're going to look at how ratings and rankings are perceived in the marketplace and how they might be uh, built in other areas of the internet, some of the, uh, some of the services that I just mentioned, and how some of the broken ones might be fixed. Now today I have with me Stephanie Yang. Stephanie is a mathematician and a software developer with a passion for big data. She joined Foursquare in 2014 after four years of quantitative finance, where she wrote automated algorithms that traded futures contracts. Stephanie earned her PhD in mathematics at Harvard and was an NSF postdoctoral research at the University of Michigan. By the way, if you ever want to pull up one of her old papers from that era, like 10 years ago, it has one of the coolest sounding titles, Calculating Intersection Numbers on Moduli Spaces of Curves. She earned her PhD in mathematics at Harvard and was an NSF postdoctoral researcher at the University of Michigan. She worked for several years at the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm, and she taught several classes in both English and Swedish. She currently works on core location intelligence at Foursquare and is known for her work on Foursquare's trending venues billboard and, of course, Foursquare's venue ratings. Hey, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hi, Max. Thanks for having me. How have you been? Um, very, very good. How are you? Good. So we've got this uh, Medium article out. Or is it a Medium article or a Foursquare Engineering uh, blog post? Is it both? It's both. It's been um, Foursquare Engineering blog post lives on Medium. So it's, okay. Uh, and it's getting it's getting a lot of play, isn't it? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm actually shocked. Like the next day when I woke up and it was the number one post on Medium under the hashtag engineering, I wasn't expecting anything like that at all. Yeah, last on my previous show, I told the audience that this is perhaps the best thing I ever worked on. 
So uh, hopefully we don't let them down. Uh, but uh, but I, I think it's uh, a really interesting thing. Um, so let's. This is all about the Foursquare venue ratings, right? So let's uh, let's begin. What in? Oh, and by the way, this interview is going to be a little different than most. Usually in an interview, I'm asking you for information, or I, in some cases I set it up so somebody asks me questions. But in this case, we kind of both worked on it. So right. this sort of works a little differently than I think any other interview you'll hear uh, on any podcast. Right. So it was truly but, collaborative, <laughs> and it was just you and me. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to give some history in the, in the beginning. Okay. So let's start with uh, uh, with the uh, Foursquare rating. Uh, what, in your view, is the primary purpose of the Foursquare venue rating? What is it? And I, maybe explain a little bit about uh, the background behind the City Guide, too. Okay, so Foursquare City Guide is a local search and discovery service. Um, the analogy I use for people who don't use it is it's a bit like IMDb, but instead of movies, you use it to find places. In particular, I use it to find uh, restaurants because I like to eat out a lot. And so the venue rating um, tells you at, you know, sort of very like bird's eye view at a very quick glance, um, whether or not a place is going to be good or bad. And it's useful when you're trying to compare, like when you first do a search for a restaurant and it pulls up maybe 20 places nearby, it's useful at least to um, be able to tell which places are going to be exceptionally good or exceptionally bad. Right, and it's sort of our global indicator of how good something is, all packed into a single number. Right, right. So yeah, we've gotten a lot of props for this. I've gotten a lot of that's the that's the one thing that I've worked on where like a lot of normal people come up to me and tell me about it when they don't even know that I worked on it. But what would you say is the difference between the Foursquare venue ratings and some of the other rating system out there? You know, people think of Google and Yelp and uh, all of those. What uh, what what makes ours unique? Well, one thing is it's on a ten point scale. I think all most of the other ratings are. Um, a certain number of stars, three and a half, four out of five stars. Right. Um, the Foursquare venue ratings actually, you know, I said earlier that they're similar to IMDb. I actually think the the um, the way the ratings are have been tuned is similar to IMDb as well. And that like seven usually means that like a movie or a restaurant is somewhat average, and eights and nines are specials and Fives are also special, but maybe not in the best way possible. Yeah. Right? And um, so, like, from a product point of view, it's interesting to have a venue rating that's on a 10-point scale. Uh, definitely from a data perspective, Foursquare has data that nobody else has. In particular, we incorporate data about foot traffic into our venue ratings, and that's another way that um, our venue ratings are special. We're able to tell whether or not, for instance, somebody has been to a venue that they love to tip at. Um, and other places, I think they just rely solely like on user feedback. Right. It's not just a, it's not just a simple average, which a lot of companies do. And it seems like the, um, it seems like that that would be uh, the way to go. But when you actually take the average, you just kind of get uh, a jumbled rating. A kind of everyone gets a three and a half star rating type of a thing. Um, a lot of people ask me too, why isn't five average, or how come it's how come the rating is kind of skewed towards, I think a seven, if it's a se in the sevens, then it's like, it's okay, I'll go there. I, I know people are really discriminating. They'll tell me 8.5, 9. <laughs> if I don't see it that high, then I'm not going to the place. I don't know if I would be that exact, although maybe for a special occasion, I could, I could say 9.0. But seven is usually good 
uh, six, you kind of is it, to me is kind of meh, and then below right. that you kind of have to start to worry. But but people ask me like, shouldn't five be average? I sort of thought about that for a while, and I, you know, put out these ratings uh, first in in 2012, and I'll, I'll I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, five, we tried doing it with a five average, and it just didn't work for some reason. People's, uh, you know, their calibrations in their minds just uh, didn't work that way. And then another possibility that I wanted to do, I wanted it to be like, what is the probability that somebody is going to click like on this place or say something positive about the place? But it turned out that was actually much higher than it should be because, you know, people like places maybe 90% of the times so everyone would be in the 90s. So we calibrated it to like, you know, kind of the test scores that you're used to in school or something like that. Um, but we started this project in 2012, and we start. I actually started this in 2011. Before that, it was before we even had, uh, you know, people couldn't like or dislike ratings. So all we had was the tips, the, the the reviews that people wrote on these venues, and so we were trying to do sentiment analysis on these reviews, and a lot of the sentiment analysis tools that were out there. Uh, didn't really work very well. There was one that was written for Twitter, I remember, and then the worst place in the world became the Gershwin Theater because wicked was a negative word on Twitter, or it was a negative word on this word list. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying Twitter is the word list is made for Twitter. Um, but it did look like sentiment analysis was the way to go, and when we finally got likes and dislikes uh, from our users' explicit ratings, uh, we were able to train the sentiment analysis in many different languages and that, when I first started taking a look at that, um, I really got a sense of, like, the good places rose to the top, the bad places went to the bottom. It wasn't perfect. The first version needed a little bit more, but it was finally, like, a good starting place. And I remember, I think it was in the fall, it was in the spring or fall, no, it was in the fall of 2012, where I had a few weeks where I was working weekends and nights and finally got that rating out there. Uh, that was uh, pretty satisfying. Right, so I'm going to jump in with a story about Max's sentiment analysis pipeline. Okay. Um, I joined Foursquare in 2014. Actually, Max, next month it's going to be the four-year anniversary of you interviewing me wow. on the phone. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So I remember that. Um, and I signed with Foursquare, and I, I kind of delayed my start date. And there was a there was about a two-month period where I was going to Foursquare in order to see demos, but I wasn't actually working for the company. And this is when Mark Max was working very, very hard on the sentiment analysis pipeline. And um, I remember he demoed in the company that he was able to um, – type in two different phrases and one came up with a very positive score and one came up with a very negative score and the two phrases that he typed in were taste like shit and is the shit and it's really right, funny right, right. I thought that was so amusing that you know in English like I mean it, it's they one is very positive one is very negative but like sort of like they're they're almost identical words and so I was actually really impressed that his um, pipeline was able to detect the the difference between this, this phrase those were fun days and then the the more exciting, or one of the exciting things was seeing that work in other languages in like phrases that we didn't understand. Um, like it, it learned how to uh, it learned how to say bad words in French and <laughs> yeah. Japanese. Yeah, and I remember like running around Foursquare. You were looking for people who spoke any language other than English, and then right. like, okay, look at this list of words and tell me whether or not this is good or bad. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. All right, so now we uh, upgraded our venue rating system a couple years ago. So tell us, what are the signals that go into the Foursquare venue rating? We have sentiment analysis, 
Uh, what else is it? Well, sentiment analysis and explicit ratings takes uh, takes up about two thirds, um, or maybe about sixty percent of the vending ratings, and the rest of it, the next largest group of signals is definitely the foot traffic signals. Um, that's both a blessing and a curse. Actually, it's funny how. I'm surprised that people in New York actually go to very highly rated venues in Foursquare because I find that like a lot of times a 9.2, 9.1 typically means that I'm not able to get into the place because it's so hip that the the hostess is going to tell me that I have to come back in two and a half hours. Right. And, yeah. One of the things we looked at early on yeah. was can we build a rating system entirely around where people go? It turns out that people don't always go to the best places and so that yeah. wasn't uh, that wasn't working too well. But it it should and is being incorporated. Yeah, it is It is being incorporated. And um, there's a lot of normalization that goes into the foot traffic. It's not necessary that one place which has more foot traffic is necessarily better than another place because they could be, you know, one place might be 10 times bigger than the other. Or, um, for instance, um, everybody checks into Penn Station. It's not because they like Penn Station. It's because they go there and trains are delayed and they're really bored. And when you're bored, you pull out your phone and you tend to play with the apps that you have. Um, right. And so that was definitely one problem. If you just use pure popularity, then I think Penn Station would be like a very, very highly rated venue in New York. Um, so there's foot traffic, but there's all sorts of like, there was a lot of iteration where, you know, we normalize the scores based on different slices. And I had to go back and forth between people who um, knew the venues and also the head of product at the time um, in order to get the normalization and the balance between everything right. Yeah. Well, well one of the things that I had proposed in my mind to deal with the foot traffic problem was to build this giant economic model that looked at the venues and said, okay, what are the, what is the competition? Like what are similar places that the person could have gone to? And they chose to go to that place, but that just turned out to be a big rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how that can. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's actually, the, the venue rating system is complicated. There's other signals which go into it. We actually have three different venue rating systems yes. that run. Um, in our blog post, we only talk about one because it was a little bit too confusing for a Medium article to talk about all three. Right. Um, one of them is sort of the, the, the normal one, the original one. Later on in 2015, we iterated. We created the, the a, ratings. Yeah, we, we created a, sec, a second rating algorithm for new venues. Um, and that was because yeah, very different is because venues that don't necessarily you know a place we could detect a place that opened up just two weeks ago that doesn't necessarily have as much foot traffic as you know a, an established venue next door. It's um, it's based on a lot of like rolling windows and sort of like anomalous behavior. For example, another ex uh, this this um, the the that algorithm I'm talking about. It's also very good at picking up places like Tavern on the Green in Central Park, which are open only few months of the year and then they're closed. Oh, the okay. Year. So when yeah. it's when it's starting when it's yeah. starting to open, it sort of becomes pop goes from not popular to popular. Yeah. And uh, and we pick that up. Yeah. Um I think we also and use saves, right? Yeah, we yeah. use saves. Yeah. We look at a list. We also look at a um, list. That, that was, was a lot of, of that was sort of the idea between saves, visits and uh, ratings was it doesn't fit quite neatly in this box, but it was like I wanna go there, I'm going there, and then I'm glad I went there. Yeah. Obviously, the, the best one is, I'm glad I went there because the other two don't really say as much. But. Right. Um, we also use uh, information about um, chain venues. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I did a whole project on that, by the way. According to Foursquare's data, the, the highest rated chain in the entire world is Trader Joe's in America. Trader Joe's. And the lowest rated Congratulations, chain. Congratulations, Trader Joe's. Yeah, and the lowest rated chain was a, a series of sketchy, it looked like bodegas in Russia, but I don't huh. speak Russian. I remember looking at the venue pages for them, and it, it did... 
they did look like crap. <laughs> so yeah. Well, speaking of Russian, uh, what was the issue with uh, cultural bias that you found that you talk about in the Medium article? Um, actually, Max is the one who discovered this, and he mentioned it to me. I thought it was really interesting. Um, yeah. Well, we we did some work in correcting for that. I know. Right. Right. Um, cultural bias. Um, because the raw data, which goes in the Foursquare, uh, is biased. It's about ninety percent positive, ten percent negative. It turns out that negative ratings have a lot of power, and so if you have a culture which leaves, for instance, Russia, I think leaves something like eighty percent positive and twenty percent negative ratings. Right. Um, the ratings end up being very, very sensitive to the negative examples that we have, the negative label data we have, and so that was that that alone. The fact that Russians and Eastern Europeans leave more negative feedback in the app and also on the flip side um, Americans and especially the Japanese leave especially positive ratings that was enough to see like just a visible difference in the countries that an entire country would have venue ratings that were shifted down by about half a point and it was definitely noticeable and so um, yeah and Max discovered this and you know explained yeah, well, it to me I, I discovered it by language not by uh, not by location right but that's because that we were trying to build the language models um, now as a as a machine learning engineer, we we kind of, uh, as machine learning engineers, we kind of want people to be more like Russians and less, you know, we want people to be uh, more discriminating because it's really hard to find what's good and what's bad if everyone's just saying they love it, they love it, they love it. Um, the, uh, you know, whichever label is the most rare, that's the label that we want more of. So the, the best uh, in terms of uh, trying to figure out, trying to discriminate between places would be a culture that rated places 50-50. But that's just not, um, that's just not our platform. So from, from, the, per, from the perspective of Foursquare's platform at a, at a whole, we're a very positive uh, site. People are being helpful in their reviews, and I kind of like that. So we try to squeeze as much uh, information as we can out of the negative examples. Um, okay, anything else to add on that. Or let's move on to uh, spam attacks on the rating system. So I don't know if you remember any of them. Oh, uh, I definitely remember them because um, the sentiment analysis pipeline picks them up. Yeah, yeah. So the sentiment analysis pipeline also picks up spam. So if you're trying to attack the system, and people try to attack it all the time, uh, we have these users uh, tagged as spammers. Um, but sometimes you see things that just don't make any sense. Like one time I found a diner in Connecticut, just a random Connecticut diner, and it had a thousand likes on it. And each like was from a user that was created to only like that venue. The user did nothing else. And each user had a picture, uh, a name, which did not match the gender of the user. And they were all created in uh, Southeast Asia, one particular country, I forget which one. Uh, and it's like, what What was this person trying to accomplish? I just don't know. Well, they're trying to spoof the ratings, it's obvious. Yeah, but yeah. what was it the, the diner itself? Because well, I don't think oh. that the owner of the diner is really going to go out of their way yeah. uh, to, to set something like this up. And, yeah. you know, it seems like a somewhat sophisticated operation. Yeah, just off the record, you should yeah. definitely um, get Raul in for a podcast because he has so many crazy stories about 
uh, user activity. Yeah. Like, like all the crazy super user stories. Some of them you can't say. It doesn't say have to be off the record. We can, yeah. we can say it. Maybe we're teasing that. Okay. And yeah. we can see if everyone agrees. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, some of the stories are like, maybe shouldn't be retold, but definitely like yeah. some of them. The are fact just, that there are stories. Yeah, but just some of them are like super, super interesting. So yeah. um, anyway, uh, back on to the record. Um, just to clarify what I was saying earlier about how the sentiment analysis pipeline picked up spam, turns out that um, one of the most positive phrases in the English language, according to the sentiment pipeline, is HTTP. Max, right. you can explain why that is. Okay. I mean, obviously, it's not really a linguistic, you know, li linguistically, HTTP isn't a positive thing. But, right. Well, just yeah. people sharing links. This was a pattern that was picked up by, uh, by your regression. Right. So. Right. Okay. So... Um, this is a question that everyone wants to know. What is the definitive value of a MET? Well, first, first, I'll, a yeah, first I'll tell you what a MET is. Um, originally, when, when Foursquare launched the explicit ratings, you could give a thumbs up or a thumbs down, a like or a dislike. And um, about the time I joined, or maybe shortly before I joined, they added a third rating, which went in between a like and dislike. And it, if you look in the app, it's actually a face with uh, uh, it's his... His mouth is neither a smile or a frown. It's yeah, a straight line. It's neither concave yeah. nor convex. Yeah. <laughs> it's a linear mouth. It's a linear mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and X equals zero. Yeah. And um and internally in our code, it's just hard coded as an enum, and the enum is meh, capital M E H, because right. um I guess technically it could be called neutral, but meh is succinct and yeah. descriptive as well. It's from I don't know if it's from The Simpsons, but it's popularized by The Simpsons. It's uh, would you like to go to Blackoland? <laughs> but the TV gave me the impression that we said meh, Right, and so we have these signals, and we had signals for likes and dislikes. And the question was, what is the value of a meh? Is a meh truly halfway between a like and a dislike? Um, the Leveni rating system has a lot of these um, linear combinations of things. So you think, okay, well, if a meh is halfway in between, then you know its its weight should just be 0.5 or whatever half a like is, or the average between a like and a dislike. But um, it turns out that we uh, designed a metric in order to, and this is described in the blog post, so I'm going to gloss over it a little bit in this uh, podcast. Okay. But we designed a metric to measure the consistency of Foursquare ratings against the consistency of user feedback. And what we did was we tried to um, optimize this metric. In other words, we were optimizing the consistency of user feedback to the ratings um, for different values of meh. And the different values of meh started out being um, on one extreme, like completely identical to a like, on the other extreme, completely identical to dislike, and then we let meh kind of vary in between. I think I did like, you know, dozens or maybe a hundred iterations of it. And we actually found that this metric um, this consistency metric, which is described in the blog post, is optimized when met is very close to a dislike, but not equal to dislike. So right now it's actually um, tuned to be 10% of a like. So the way I describe so, it to people... So 10% of a like, 90% yeah. of a dislike. Exactly. And so if you had 10 people and they leave nine dislikes and one like at a restaurant, it is actually, it has the exact same effect on the venue rating as having 10 mess. Gotcha. Yeah. That's very interesting. So I, I think you like to. I think you said before it's like a polite person's dislike. Yeah, Is that I usually say "mez" a polite person's dislike because okay. I think um, definitely in our culture, when you're going to leave negative feedback, a dislike or or a negative, you know, a negative tip, it's usually people who want to 
you know, they had an extraordinarily bad experience. They want to kind of stick it to the proverbial man and say, like, this was, like, particularly bad. That's what um, we're disliking. Right. But then there's a lot of restaurants that just aren't good, but they're not going to be, like, these toxic experiences either. And that's where the Met comes in. And um, and the value of a Met, of leaving, I mean, I think it's valuable to leave feedback. I'll be saying, like, this isn't bad. I mean, you're not going to remember it because it's it's, right. it's not so bad. You're going to remember it forever and be forever angry at whoever served you, but it's not worth going to. Right. It's qualitatively different information from a dislike, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a better negative signal because we get more of them. Okay. So is there anything that isn't in the Medium article, which I will post to the show notes page? Uh, is there anything that isn't in the Medium article that you'd like to add? I think uh, I think you should talk about the uh, tuning, kind of the statistical properties of the venue ratings that we have. Actually, a lot of people are interested in that, and it didn't make it. It didn't make the final cut of the medium article. Well, what do you mean the statistical, like how it was, um, how it was uh, spread out, like what the distribution yeah. is? Yeah, the distribution globally, actually, and this is not this is not what you see in the app because the app surface is good venues, but yeah. globally the distribution is bell shaped. It's right. fairly symmetric. And the center is around 6.9, and the maximum, the absolute hard maximum and minimum are 9.9 and 3.9. Yeah. And you can explain a little bit why that is. It's crazy that there's no one less than 3.9. I mean, that you know, it was kind of uh, shoved into the distribution. Again, like I said earlier, it was shoved into the distribution that people uh, had in their mind as to what's good and what's not. And I think below a 5, people just say, I'm not going to go there. And they're not going to discriminate between the different levels below five. So, unfortunately, we don't include uh, all those levels. One of the ideas that I wanted to do was just have 10% get ones, 10% get twos, 10% get threes, uh, all the way over. Oh, so a uniform distribution. A uniform distribution would have been been nice. I think it would have been the most... um, If you have your mind calibrated towards the uniform distribution, maybe it would be the most helpful. But we had to kind of fit the distribution into how people rate things on 1 to 10 in their day-to-day life. Right, right. And also, just a lot of people are like, why 3.9? Why 6.9? Um, yeah. That was a product decision, actually. I could have tuned. I mean, we ideally, is, you know, Absolutely. Max, by, by we the think way, the that we could place, tune it to be yeah. centered around 5. I think we were very close to launching a venue rating system where the min is 4, the average is 7, and the max is 10. Yeah. And at the last minute, somebody was was like, no, we don't want anything to have a 10 out of 10. Nothing should have a perfect venue rating. And so we actually just subtracted 0.1 from everything. And that's how we ended up with the with the min and the max. I think it was also now. to make sure that we had room. Because if you have 10, that's an extra digit that you have to fit. You know, <laughs> that is and so you just put a 9.9 there and it works. All right, maybe. I thought but, it was uh, philosophical. I thought people just didn't want <laughs> a 10 no, out of 10. There's other things perfect. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. That uh, was a really interesting discussion. If you want to read further, if you want to read further, uh, go onto the show notes page. There's a link to the blog post. The blog post is called "Finding the Perf- Perfect Ten: How Foursquare Does Its Venue Ratings." Thanks a lot, Stephanie, for coming on the show. Hope to have you back. Thank you for having me, Max. All right, there was one thing in that discussion that I started to talk about that I didn't get to, uh, but it's also really interesting. What are the best and worst places in the world? Now, I don't have a the specific list in front of me, although I know I did have a list from like 2011 when we first started working on this uh, of the best places in each state. So if I can find that, then I'll put that on the show notes page. But you might ask, 
what are the best, happiest places to be in the world and what are the worst? Uh, the places that tend to get the best uh, overall sentiment, the, the places where people are enjoying themselves the most tend to be uh, well-known landmarks. They tend to be parks, museums. Uh, you know, For example, uh, here in New York, you have the, uh, the, the, the MoMA, the Museum of Mar Modern Art, constantly gets a very high rating. Uh, the Brooklyn Museum, only a few blocks from, from here, gets a good rating. Uh, I haven't been there in like 10 years. Maybe I should go check that out. Um, in terms of places that are less well-known as, as kind of landmarks, I think the Byright Creamery in San Francisco, that's an ice cream place, has consistently very high ratings, very interesting. So now the more fun part of this is kind of looking at what the worst places in the world are. Here in New York City, you've got uh, two post offices that are really set at the bottom of the bottom. The, the, the lowest is the post office that used to be on 14th Street between 1st and A. I think it moved between on 1st between 14th and 15th, but that is, that is extremely low ratings, as well as the one on 146th Street. That's one that's in the fours. And globally, well, the lowest sentiment place is the Moscow passport office. We just see pictures. I don't know exactly what's going on there, but we see pictures of people lined up around the corner. Um, I think that place was put into a category where Foursquare no longer gives it a, uh, a venue rating. So it's kind of spared. The, our venue rating might go down to like in the threes if, uh, if we allowed that. I'm not sure. Uh, so yeah, almost all the bottom ones are government buildings. There are some that are not. There is one pizza hut in Malaysia that has an extraordinary low ratings, like just one clip above the worst post offices, which I find hard to believe. If I'm ever in Malaysia, I think I'm just going to check that out to see. You know, it can't be that bad, but um, I think that place had, a, had an extraordinarily amount of bad reviews back in the day. Now, in, in recent uh, years, they've started to get more positive reviews, so maybe uh, their rating will start to clip up a little bit. Now, if you're an engineer and you would like to work on this problem and you want to work with me and Stephanie, then, hey, there's a chance that you can. Just go to foursquare.com jobs to find out what roles are available at Foursquare. And if you have any specific questions about it, just send an email to the podcast, localmaxradio at gmail.com, and we'll get all your questions answered. Now, at some point in the future, uh, I'm going to have Aaron back on. I know we wanted to expand on the Bayesian interpretation of the news thing, so definitely send us your ideas on that. Uh, but um, in the meantime, I wanted to have him back uh, to actually show the power of Bayesian inference uh, in, in action. I want to apply it to code breaking. And it's we have a really interesting demonstration of code breaking that I think anyone can grasp. So if it's a topic you're interested in, but you feel like you don't have the technical expertise, well, this will give you the intuition for what's going on. So stay tuned. That's the show. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you want to keep up, remember to follow The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at MaxClaw. Have a great week. Feel the power. She said, I don't
I think, yeah, uh, um, what was I going to say? Ah, I don't remember. All right, so if, <laughs> wow. all right, thanks a lot.